Hello, everybody, and welcome to the first actual episode of The Drink Up Here. I don't know if anyone has listened to that teaser we put out last week just to get everybody real excited about it, uh, but we are here for our first real episode drilling down is some some rugby content my name is zach and i'm here with my pal colby colby how you doing you have a good weekend zach man it's great to hear you yeah i had a great weekend and guys yeah if you didn't listen to that teaser what are you doing here go listen to that teaser and then come back press, just kidding you can stay you can stay i was gonna say press pause immediately on this go back listen it's only like four minutes you got plenty of time i had a good weekend i, I didn't get to watch that lions uh spring box test live on, on saturday i was at a wedding but uh i i avoided twitter all day and then I, I watched the replay on Sunday. So it was a nice uh, conclusion to that test series over there. Um, so that was my weekend. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to talk a little bit about rugby here today too, Kobe. I don't know if you have thoughts on that game. but So I want to know, did you get it spoiled? No. So luckily, yeah, luckily I was like, you know what? I'm at a wedding anyway. I'm just going to keep my phone, you know, like out of the equation. I'll just keep it in the pocket because usually I'm on Twitter – Whenever I have two seconds of free time, if I'm bored, I'll just hop on and like scroll. And I knew I would have seen it immediately. Um, so I, I, I was off my phone all day. And I didn't didn't get it spoiled, thankfully. I had no idea who was going to win. I saw a couple. Thank, yeah, thank you. Thank you. I saw a couple uh, tweets that were like close to giving it away. And then I, I like was so I got scared. I thought I had an idea going in. But it seemed to me like the Lions had won. Um when I was, you know, on Twitter, but uh, it, it, then it turned out obviously, you know, South Africa did. So that worked out great. I think, uh, yeah, that'll be my strategy going forward because it's tough to watch rugby, you know, when it's happening over here in the States, the time difference is a little out of whack, but. And that's not easy to do, not having a game get spoiled for you. I know I've been on the wrong end of that multiple times, whether it's like other people spoiling for me or just seeing something on my phone pop up. So job well done, Zach. Job well done. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, no, I uh, I was very proud, happy that it happened. And uh, yeah, we will hopefully, you know, not have anything spoiled for us going forward. You see that attempt at a, at a transition there uh, when it comes to the MLR draft, which is what we're going to be focusing on in our in our podcast today, in today's episode and in the next coming days, you know, re- leading up to the actual draft on the 19th. Um, but first, um you know, I think we should talk a little bit about some news and notes. We're going to try and make that a segment uh, in the podcast as well going forward. Get some, you know, news of the day at the top of these to keep everybody, you know, uh, it, uh, updated on what's going on. Not much happening on the college front, Colby, but today the MLR did release their first, second, and honorable mention, all MLR okay. teams. So you got okay. any thoughts looking at those uh, rosters? A lot, of, a lot of big names on there, a lot of really solid talent in the league this year. Yeah, yeah, really exciting to see those names come out um, today. Uh, three, we had three teams, uh, three all MLR teams release. I want to say what stood out to me was the fact that 10, and not like it was a surprise or anything, but 10 LA Giltinis were selected between the three teams, uh, between their fly half, Ghetto, uh, Harrison Goddard, Adam Ashley Cooper, they were all in there, uh, sprinkled in amongst the teams. Andy Ellis and uh, Dan Holland's head, Rugby United New York were in there. Uh, you saw Nate Brakeley, I think, in the first team MLR for Rugby United New York. So it was really, uh, I was kind of surprised not to see, I have to say, Connor Mooneyham out of uh, Austin, the Austin Gilgaroni squad, not make one of the teams. But he is a rookie, and there were a lot of great back players this year uh, between Mika Cruze, you could pick out, uh, that made the second team all MLR uh he was a wing on the second team all MLR squad. And so he had a lot of competition, but Connor Mooneyham, definitely a player to watch moving forward in the MLR. 
but yeah, those teams uh, very well deserved for a lot of those guys. Those those guys had hell of a seasons. Yeah, you know what shocked me? The only uh, Gil Groney on any of those rosters was Bryce Campbell on the honorable mention squad. Very yeah, very anti Austin uh, decisions. You're I think Connor Uniham definitely you know had had a good shot at making at least one of those rosters. Um, you know he played played a great year. Uh, as especially like you said, as a rookie, uh, maybe just didn't get enough game time. I know he had the injury later on um, in the season, but uh, the other one for me, you know, uh, so Sandy Fungi from DC on the, on the honorable mention, I, I thought he maybe had a bit of a better season than Dylan Fawcett. I know that might be sacrilegious to say I'm in I'm in Jersey, so I'm right across the river from New York, and I, I might like they may come over with pitchforks. Uh, but you know, he had a great year for DC, then up playing with the Eagles as well in those couple tests they had. Um, but you know, yeah, nothing against uh, the butcher. But I, I thought Sosini Fungi had a great, great year. At least he made the yeah, honorable mention team. That was good uh, for him as well. But uh, after that, you know, uh, Sosini Fungi. Talk about Sosini Fungi, a, a great young talent, uh, young player in, in in the league. Chock full of them, and there's about to be a huge influx uh, of talent with this second MLR draft coming up. Uh, the first one held last year uh, after the the pandemic canceled the season uh in, in it was the first draft ever they had two rounds um this year it'll be a little bit different uh eligibility rules are similar just to run through some quick like background about what the, the draft actually is you know you have to be uh enrolled in a u.s or canadian university or college this is actually the first year uh they're opening it up to the you know canadian universities and schools um you know because obviously with the arrows uh, there's a, a lot of really solid canadian talent in the league as well um so i think that's a great uh, that's a great thing for them to have done for this. Uh, you have to have completed three years of college or be at least 21 years of age uh, as well to be eligible. Now they are this year waiving the rule that you have to be a, you have to have played or be a registered college rugby player from the previous season, because obviously that was not the case uh, for many people. It was tough to get any sort of game time uh, in the fall, especially anything you want to add on draft stuff. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, Obviously, we had the first MLR draft last season. Uh, we're starting to see a few new things implemented uh, this year with the Rugby Showcase, uh, especially. And I know that Chris Matina, the Rugby United New York back, he is spearheading or actually did spearhead the back session for that showcase on Saturday. And it's well-deserved for Chris Matina, who himself developed his own developmental program for a young athletes young rugby athletes whether they're in high school college or in professional as well uh he he developed this sort of brand to you know help develop their games and uh he's a guy that is known for being very versatile you know uh, a player that does a back that does pretty much everything on the rugby field so he knows what he's talking about but that's exciting you know uh it'll be interesting to see uh you know what they look like because obviously these, these guys haven't played a full 15 season since 2019, you know, where the, will there be Russ, you know, are they going to be the same guys? Uh, will they have the same skill sets? You know, there's going to be a lot of questions to be asked of these players. So that showcase is going to be very telling, I believe. And hopefully we can get Chris Mantina on the podcast for a conversation soon to, you know, for a little inside scoop on what the guys look like on Saturday. Yeah. I, I would love to, to hear from Chris about that. I mean, I would love to also start seeing those, uh, streamed or televised in some way, like the NFL Combine is, you know, like that. I think I love I love 
just in general, take a bit of a step back. I love the idea of the draft, like for the MLR. I think it's a great way to grow the fan base, especially here in the U.S., because it's something that people are accustomed already to seeing, you know, in like their other favorite sports from the States. So it's something that they understand the concept of, they can latch on to, you know, it's not like a, a, a wonky tradition of the game, you know, that, that you'd have to play rugby to know about. It's a pretty straightforward concept of like, okay, these are the best you know, guys, and, and the, you pick who you want on your team, and you go through the same round concept. So having the dra- having the draft is great, and then having these, yeah, skill showcases, kind of, you know, like mini combines, uh, super cool. Yeah, so would love to have Chris Martina on to talk about that, uh, hopefully later in the week. Um, so we, we are about to, we're going to get into our kind of three main takeaways. Uh, the, the big news on the draft uh, lately is that the deadline for applying or for, you know, declaring yourself for this draft ended last week on Friday. So we have a set number of players. Uh, it's 124 players in, in this class from 86 different schools. So really solid group. Uh, you know, it's much larger than the group I think they had for the draft uh, last year. And, you know, because of that, they're saying there's going to be at least a minimum of three rounds in this year's draft. Last year, they only had two rounds. That was it. Uh, with each team obviously going, you know, once or unless they had a trade going a couple times, but they'll have at least three rounds this year with the possibility for more, depending on how much talent there is. Uh, but anything else before we get into our, our kind of three observations here, Colby? Yeah, just what I said before, you know, it'll be intriguing to see how these players come back after the long layoff and what kind of skill sets they have. Are they going to be the same type of player? Have they added anything new to their repertoire that scouts and teams should be aware of? It's going to be a very exciting process. Uh, yeah. So as I said before, you know, 86 different schools uh, it represented here in this draft. But Colby, let's get right into kind of our main three takeaways each. And for me, my number one, like I said, 86 different schools. There's one school that stands out uh, in that list, um, and that is Lindenwood. Uh, they are the highest represented in this draft class, most eligible players, um, you know, on that list. Uh, I believe there's eight of them, uh, eight players from Lindenwood, including obviously this year's Schultz Award winner, uh, Manuel Albert. Um, so they, you know, they have a lot of guys that are that are going to be available. Uh, you know, the, the, there are not many schools that have uh, that number of players eligible at all. Uh, Penn State has has five. I think they're closest. Um, you know, life you're seeing another top program has four. Um, so it just, it, it, I don't know what that says really about, the talent that Lindenwood kind of had amassed for this year, this might have been, you know, their year uh, to, to make a push at, in the 15s level at the college game. Um, you know, they dominated in sevens in the spring, both men and women's, uh, you know, once games started playing again, that they, they ran riot uh, through a lot of teams in, in, in the sevens tournaments. Um, but they've never really been able to get to that final level or, 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 or you know, uh, cross that final threshold at the 15 side of it. They've been in the semifinal a few times, haven't been able to get to the championship or win a championship. Um, and, you know, it's kind of a bummer. This might have been their their year in 2020 uh, with all this experienced talent that's now going to head to the MLR. Does it leave a huge hole in their roster for next year? Do they have enough kind of young guys on, on that on that squad to, to fill those holes? Uh, a lot of big shoes to fill. Like I said, Emmanuel Albert, huge shoes. You know, uh, they're going to be missing a lot of a lot of talent on that team. For sure, for sure. And I have to just comment that in 2019, Iona, my alma mater, did play Lindenwood in the College Rugby Championships in sevens, and they did not run us over. We were actually very much in that game, up 7 nothing at halftime, and only lost by a couple of points. So we were right up there with Lindenwood that year, who ended up going on to win the entire thing. 
Right. We couldn't leave with that. Yeah, obviously, I you know, have to clear that air. I wouldn't want, you know, anyone to besmirch uh, Iona's name like that. And my apologies. No harm, no foul. As far as my first observation uh, that I want to mention, I want to talk a little bit about a player out of Cutstown that has entered the MLR draft, and that's Aaron Gray. He's a dynamic winger that has been a USA All-American uh, he's played on the big stages in the college rugby championships for Cutstown. He plays on the 15th squad. Great stepper, great speed. Uh, played with Demonte Noble, who had a minor breakout season for Old Glory DC, you could say. And I mean, he's a guy that, you know, you look at what Demonte Noble was able to do. Aaron Gray is a very similar player. I don't think he's as dynamic as Noble is, but he can do a lot of the same things that Noble does. And I think that's intriguing for a lot of teams. And it will be intriguing for a lot of teams in the draft. So I expect him to go relatively high. And if he doesn't, I mean, he's going to be a guy that a lot of teams are going to wish at the end of the day that they selected. Yeah, I I, I think um, we'll talk a little bit more about kind of some like favorite players uh, later on. You know, as we get closer to the draft, I kind of want to do like a, a mock draft as well. Uh, but this, yeah, this seems like a really, you know, great talent coming in uh, there. Great. I, we've seen in the MLR you know, the, the wing or like the, you know, the, the outside back kind of position is where you can make an impact. If you've got the, the skills, you mentioned DeMonte Noble. Yeah. Had a great couple of games, uh, for old glory DC. Um, the big one, Connor Mooneyham, you know, coming in and, and, and wowing right away on the outside. So, uh, sky's the limit. Yeah. For, for anybody can come in and, and kind of be, you know, uh, uh, an athlete out there. Um, what do you, what would you expect from him? Like, you know, do you think he's someone who starts right away and gets drafted by a team and it kind of makes an impact immediately? I would expect to see something similar to what happened with Noble, you know, not starting right away, but, you know, sticking with it. Uh, I'm assuming working hard in practice and eventually, you know, just fighting his way into a starting spot at some point in the year in which he took advantage of. And I expect that uh, to happen with Aaron Gray. You know, he's the type of player that, uh, you know, like I said, he's not going to be on the top list of a lot of people's boards, I don't think, but he's he has that dynamic playmaking ability that's so rare uh and so i expect to see you know him just grind out a spot for a team and eventually get his get his opportunity and once he gets his opportunity i don't think he'll he'll let it go so he's a player to watch for me it'll be fun he is from dc himself Aaron Gray. it would be interesting to see if uh, old glory selects him and he can pair him with demonte noble maybe uh at, at the wing spot would be would be a great uh, combination there. I would love to watch some of that uh, Ooh, dynamic duo. Old Glory DC, are you listening? Yeah, are you guys listening? I don't know if they're if they're listening in now, but if their talent uh, team is there, um, uh, I but yeah, Utah so, doesn't listen to me, so <laughs> I know I know that's a fact. By the end of this, anyway. once you establish, you know, that once we establish a drink up out there, the, the coaches will be calling you for sure. They'll they'll ask, you know, <laughs> they'll want to know. Uh, but so you, you mentioned, yeah, the wing position. Uh, that's one that last year was drafted pretty heavily in the opening rounds. You know, again, it's somewhere where like you, you can see that instant impact. The, my second observation from, from this, you know, prospect class and just he- heading into the draft here, mm-hmm. the scrum half position is, is hugely represented uh, in this incoming draft class. Uh, mm-hmm. They are tied with wing for like the highest number of, of eligible players who declared that as their position uh, you know, with 16 each, again, that doesn't necessarily lock them into that position, obviously, when they get into to MLR. Uh, right. You know, we saw uh, Patrick Madden was not listed as scrum half, you know, when he entered the draft and was drafted by San Diego, ended up playing a couple games there this year. But um, scrum half at the major league rugby level 
is a, a position that has a lot of talent uh, in those spots, in those starting spots already on roster solidified. You know, you talk about Danny Tusatala, who, who came out hot this year, um, Harrison Goddard on the LA Giltini's winning, um, you know, Soma Andy Ellis with Rugby United, uh, even Nick Boyer in Houston, I think, had a great, you know, year. Those spots are, are very solidly stocked with, with guys. So I'd be interested to see how many of these scrum halves get get drafted this year you know how many guys who are coming in with that specific skill set either get a get picked or b get picked and come in and you know start right away i can't imagine there'd be many uh zero scrum halves like i said last year drafted at all so there were two that were picked up after the draft uh rugby united picked up uh, connor buckley and then tom brusati went to new england uh so but nobody nobody picked on scrum halves last year because that's a tough spot colby i think you know to to kind of make an impact right away. It's a very technical position. You really got to have a sense for the game. So that just stood out to me. So many 16 uh, potential, you know, scrum halves looking to join the league. Um, we'll see how many of them, you know, get that shot. Even a guy like Connor McManus, he was, he made his first appearance on the wing for Rugby United in New York. And so that, that, that's uh that's a good point that you make. Uh, not all of these guys, a lot of these guys may not play scrum half once they get into the league, but uh, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. So what? Uh, yeah. What do you got on your mind, Colby, for your second one here? Yeah. Just in terms of uh, the rugby showcase, I find that very interesting. Um, Piggy, piggying back off what I was talking about a little bit earlier about the long layoff from 2019 and players not being able to obviously have an official 15 season in 2020 because of the coronavirus. Uh, this rugby showcase is going to be huge. It's going to be a great way to see. Uh, you know, where players are at as far as their skill sets are concerned, um, anything that they might have added to the repertoire or not. And so that's something that's going to be on my mind, uh, how these players have, have looked in this little combine that we had on Saturday. So I think that's a super cool concept again. You know, I, I, I'm really, I hope they, they continue that and publicize it even more. And I want to see Colby, like, you know, how Rich Eisen runs the 40 every NFL combine. Like, do you think you could get out there and, and, and just run a run a forty in, in like a full suit, like Rich Eisen does, and we could time it and see how you stack up. I don't want to embarrass the kids, you know. <laughs> I'm trying to. I don't want them to go into the league with no confidence. I don't know if I'll do that, but hey, hey, we'll see. Maybe I can get out there and uh, do a little something. But I won't run the forty. I'll just blow everybody away. Right. It's for it's for the kids. Yeah. You don't want to. Yeah. Again, you don't want to crush their dreams right away. No. no not yet. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> that's fair. All right. That's fair. Um, so my my third and my final observation here, uh, you know, just looking at, at ahead to the, to the draft coming up, it's kind of a cheap answer. I'm, it's not about any particular like player or or anybody in this incoming class, but last year you saw a, a couple of teams, Rugby United and Houston specifically, trade away both of their draft picks uh, in rounds one and two of that draft for international player slots. You know, basically saying. Yeah, well, like, we, you know, we get it like that. You got a lot of young talent coming in here, but we'd much rather have spots on our roster available for kind of established um, international guys to come in. And I think that, you know, that worked out well for Rugby United. Um, I'm not again, I don't know exactly how their contract situations worked out. I don't th I don't I couldn't say specifically that Andy Ellis was somebody who they were able to bring in because of these expanded, you know, the expanded number of international slots that they had. But they really got by with some well-established talent and they were still able to pick up uh, Connor Buckley, who they liked before the draft. Um, you know, he wasn't picked by another team. So they, they kind of scooped him up later on afterwards. But uh, I'm interested to see this year, 
because some of the guys that got drafted last year had such a, a huge impact, uh, you know, in their first year in the league right away, uh, whether or not teams are as willing to kind of sacrifice those spots, you know, like uh, I, I think when it comes to like salary cap stuff, the international guys obviously are going to end up costing a little more, um, you know, so if you could get a, a, you know, day one contributor in a draft like this, um, you know, would you be willing to, to give that up? So no trade as of yet that I've seen reported, but Colby yeah, interested to see if, if anybody, um, you know, tries to make any moves like that this year, or if they kind of stand pat everybody and, and try and get a piece of some of this, you know, young talent coming out of the college game. Yeah. And it's hard to argue against um, not standing pat uh, tr- to try to get a piece of some of these young talents, especially if they're a guy like Connor Buckley, who's from New York, you know, you're getting a guy that's homegrown. You're getting a guy that can contribute right away. I know Connor Buckley didn't get too much playing time right away, but he's a guy, you know, uh, like you said, we saw plenty of rookies that had that immediate impact. And if you can have that chance to uh, land somebody that m- might be from your city, that might, uh, you know, have some sort of connection and passion for playing for your team. And plus they can be a contributor right away. I don't, I don't see how you pass that up. Yeah, I mean, because that's the argument, right, is, is you know, a lot of there was the thought last year heading into the draft, like these guys coming out of college are not going to be ready to step into the, the pro level game right away. Um, and, you know, you, you saw that not a lot of, of like of the props that got taken, um, you know, ended up playing Brian Nault, I think was drafted, I think, second overall. And he played, you know, some minutes. Um, but it, it's, it is a bit of a transition, I'd imagine. But, you know, they it seemed to go really well for a lot of these teams. And now when you're looking at someone like Houston, do they kind of want to, um, you know, get in as many international guys as they can to try and bolster that team that, that struggled this year? I don't know. You know, maybe, maybe it, it takes a team like Rooney, a better established team uh, that has a lot of, you know, solid players already. They can take some more time to develop these guys. All right, Colby. Yeah, so what is your final thought here before we start wrapping things up on this episode? Yeah, I mean, man, this was fun. Uh, glad to get our feet wet with this. But yeah, really excited for this draft. I think uh, as a player or as someone that was playing rugby last year and was actually thinking about entering the MLR draft myself, uh, it's cool to see a bunch of new up and coming young guys get their names out there after such a great season uh, that we had in MLR. Glad to see the league back back up and running You know, after everything that uh, we've been through in this world. And so I just can't wait. I just can't wait for more rugby and can't wait to talk more rugby with you, Zach. Uh, I, I, same for me, Colby. I can't wait either. Uh, I, I would have to mention, yeah, off the back of that, if there was something like the MLR and a collegiate draft, like maybe I would have gotten in better shape when I was in college. Like probably not at this point, thinking back, like I, I like wings too much, so I probably would not have, have gotten in any better shape. But, you know, who knows? If I had something to strive for, I was like, wow, I could see like, you know, getting my name out there and playing for a pro team in the States. Could have been a different story, but uh, for now I'll have to just sit with the fact that uh, you know I, I scored one try, I think, in my four years. So, and that that'll be my glory days. One try, you can't don't under don't underscore <laughs> yourself. That one try is a try, nonetheless. It's a try, nonetheless. <laughs> exactly, a try is a try. Uh, so yeah, pumped to talk more rugby with you, Colby. We will be back later this week uh, with, uh, as we mentioned a couple times, we teased it a little bit. My, you know, Chris Patina coming in. Maybe we'll talk a little draft prospects. Before the draft, we want to talk, um, you know, our thoughts on kind of last year's draft class and their impact on the league. Uh, we do want to talk about some of the specific guys that are coming into this draft this year. Like I said, maybe a little mock draft action happening. So plenty of great content coming your guys' way uh, on the Drink Up Pod. So make sure you subscribe, 
Make sure you leave us a five-star review. Rate us. Whatever you got to do. We'll be on YouTube. We'll be on Apple Podcasts. We're going to be everywhere. You can, you can find us. So, Colby, um, take us out of here, man. With that being said, guys, thanks for tuning in to the first episode of the Drink Up Podcast. We'll be back next week, maybe in a few days, maybe tomorrow. Not sure, but we'll see. (laughs) We'll be back with more content, though. That's, That's the point. We'll be back with more content at the end of the day. And please check out our other segments, including our Major League Rugby show, our Global Rugby Recap, What Are the Odds, our Major League Rugby Sports Bet show with the Philly Godfather, John Bradshaw Layfield, the WWE legend, and Gifty Bailu, Martial Law, the Zack Attack. And please sign up for our American Red Cross Rugby Wrap-Up Blood Donor Team.